0: Off the ball. GAA.
1: I feel like the negativity around football is a bit overblown at the moment,
2: to be honest with you. I think it's in a very conservative phase. Off the ball. Join in the
0: obsession. Subscribe now at
2: offtheball.com forward slash join. Off the ball. Breakfast. Ireland Sports Breakfast Show.
0: Right, Uh, there's been a bit of a revolution in women's football Uh, It's been happening uh, slow, slow, slow and then all of a sudden very quick I'm delighted to say Tom Garry is with us Women's Soccer Reporter with The Telegraph Kathleen is back as well Um, Tom, I might start with you You've been reporting on this story for a a good long time But finally it looks like a bit of white smoke Um, There is going to be a new company in charge of uh, women's club football in England What can you tell us about this?
1: Yeah, good morning. Really nice to speak to you. Um, well, the, First of all, if we go way back, the, the English FA have made no secret of the fact they don't really think they should run leagues, um, particularly not the top leagues in in England. So over the last sort of five years, they've been making it quite clear they wanted to hand over the WSL and the championship. Uh, and now we have the kind of the rubber stamping of that of that process. Um, it, it, for the time being, this company is called NUCO, but don't worry, that's not going to be the name. It's just a new company, but until they find a better name, but essentially the, the 12 24 clubs are going to own this new entity um, that's going to operate in, in a very similar way to the fact that the Premier League run the, the Premier League, the EFL as its own body runs the English Football League, and then you have the National League and so on and so on. So it's a, it's a it, the league is going to run itself. Um, they've appointed a new chief executive. A uh, former Nike director, Canadian businesswoman called Nikki Dusset, um, from a interview process last winter, who the FA chose. Uh, and but I think the we've been expecting this for a while. But the really big, significant part of the news is that all 24 clubs are now agreed on the framework for what this will look like. That was quite a tricky process over the last few months to try to get all 24 clubs to agree to what it will look like, but they've now come to a unanimous agreement. So now it can move forward ahead of next season.
0: What, what is the major difference between the clubs owning the league and the FA running the league?
1: Yeah, really good question. I th- I think for the future, what, what we're expecting in the long run is that this gives them the potential to to bring in new investment, maybe sell shares to private equity, potentially hypothetically, or, or you know, uh, maybe we may well see this uh, company trading uh, shares and, and stocks. Uh, we're not quite sure at the moment, but certainly, I think the feeling is that it gives them the commercial freedom to really take things to to a new level, um, trying to sign, bring in new commercial deals, and and also operate where operate in a way where this this body will be, have its sole focus on developing these two leagues whereas of course the FA's remit covers so many other things whether whether it be uh, grassroots provisions um and its other obligations around the sport so i think there's a feeling that um all the you know the the FA had, had grown the WSL and Championship superbly, you know, over the last 12 years, when you think of where it was as an amateur set up originally, I think there was a feeling that it was, it was, it was a slightly being held back with the growth. When you see, for example, in the NWSL in America, there was a 40 times increase in their uh, revenue from their new broadcast deal compared to their previous broadcast deal to go to 60 million US dollars a year. Um, I think when you see deals like that, I think the WSL is thinking, we want to grab some of this momentum and they're looking to increase their commercial deals.
3: Tom, you mentioned there that the big thing was that all the clubs have now agreed to it. And it was only like last week where the championship clubs were very much against it. I think it was 11 out of the 12. Charlton were the only ones that voted for it. What was the major difference between then and now? Because it doesn't seem like all that much has changed. You know, the split is 75 25 between WSL and championship clubs in terms of revenue and stuff like that. But was there any changes made or any accommodations made to championship clubs?
1: as far as i'm aware no um that, that i believe it's still the same proposals um, that we were looking at um over, over a week ago i know there were could big concerns in the championship about the specifically about the idea that they weren't going to have completely equal voting rights to the wsl clubs um and yeah as you say 11 of the championship clubs originally voted no to this proposal but i um I, these have been very private conversations, so it's been very hard to find out exactly what's been said. But the impression that I got is that when when the Championship Club said they weren't happy with the proposals, that there was a, quite a lot of people in the WSL who simply said, well, um, OK, if that's how you feel, that's OK, but we're going to go ahead with, with this as a one, one-tier one league. And I think about around six days ago... 7 days ago sorry on Wednesday last week there was there was a very real prospect that the two leagues might have split up um but then on Thursday morning we had the uh, we we found out that uh, all of the championship clubs had written to the FA to say actually okay we're going we're happy to to sign up now exactly what made them change their minds I I wish I could tell you but um certainly we went from a situation where I think there was a real risk that the two leagues were going to go their separate ways to then by Thursday, last week, um, all the championship clubs had signed up and set up. As you said, it's a 75-25 split in the revenues, which I think was a really big talking point because the WSL clubs felt that they're bringing in all of the revenue to this to the setup, and the championship clubs um, weren't. And then, But there were a lot of people in the championship who thought, well, let's try and grow the pyramid by splitting the revenues 50-50 and they've obviously arrived somewhere in the middle of those two things of having a 75-25 split and that I do think most people are very happy with uh, it's going to mean a big increase for the championship in terms of its revenue next season so um, that yeah that's uh, I guess a positive thing for, for, for the league
2: So have they just grown the size of the pyramid but also pulled the ladder up on everybody else?
1: Good question. That, and that's one of the details that we're really trying to find out now. And the questions will need to continue to be asked is what provisions there are for the lower levels of the pyramid and how much uh, of any money that the WSL and Championship makes will be able to be passed down to the to the lower leagues. And that's a real concern for the National League clubs and lower down. Um, I, I, I do believe it's not been made official, but I, I do believe that the FA... Is going to have a, a share in this company. We mentioned the 24 clubs will own will own the company, but I believe the English FA will also have a small minority stake in this uh, new, new company, and that the, the FA will have a representative sitting in some in the form of I think you could describe it as sort of like a a, a non executive director, like a sort of a, a very small player, but nonetheless someone with a slight say. In uh, the board and things, so and uh, I, I would imagine that that is where the FA will try and um, make sure that there is some sort of. Flow of investment down into the into the lower pyramid, but um, that those that's you've asked a really important question. Those details haven't really been ironed out completely yet, and we're waiting to see the final detail because so far the process has been quite uh, well not trans, not transparent. It's been done very much uh, privately and commercially, sensitively and confidentially, and now we're really waiting for some more detail.
2: So, if the FAI, if the FA are concerned about money filtering down through the pyramid. Could they just not have kept control of this? Like, I mean, you said at the start, they don't want to be in control of this. But if they really want a more egalitarian world for women's football in England, truly having control of this rather than giving control to the the massive conglomerates, which essentially own a lot of these WSL teams, would have been a better thing for grassroots football?
1: Uh, possibly, yes. Yeah. So, then at the same time, I think there are some people. Just to kind of give the counter view, who, who feel that the money that's being put in from the um, the top end is really helping to drive the growth. You know, the millions of pounds of investment from Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, and Man United in particular. People feel it has helped to drive the standards. You know, and it's the, uh, there's it's a real balance I think between that point that I think a lot of people will feel is really important around making sure that um, the grassroots game grows too. But also the top clubs, um, you know, getting restless that they want to keep competitive with Barcelona and Leon. And if, mm. if, if the WSL doesn't keep growing um, and, and getting stronger, then will they fall behind the French League, the Spanish League, the German League and so forth. So there's a really delicate balance to try and keep everybody happy. Um, and I, 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 I guess only in the future will we know for sure whether they've got the balance right. But um, the other factor is that the FA what they really want is to make sure there's a thriving WSL and championship for, for, you know, for England players. And of course other national teams too, but, but, you know, um, going back to what you asked about the grassroots, another really important thing about having a strong WSL is making sure there's an elite environment for the England players to, to be, you know, thriving in their training environments and all the facilities that they have. So, and, and for youth international players to have a strong championship. So it's, it, that, that's all part of it too.
0: Uh, one other, possibility that had been mooted pre-COVID was that the Premier League would come in and take over and this would be another Premier League product. That obviously fell away quite a while ago. Is there any detail about why that fell away and what the benefits of that not happening or maybe the pitfalls of that not happening are?
1: Yeah, great question. I don't think that's completely off the table, but I do think that's quite unlikely. Um, I, th- I think um, I think some of the reasons why it wasn't quite right is that um, just give you one example. Uh, it, were, going back four or five years now, I think one of the concerns was that the uh, the members of the Premier Men's Premier League are not the same as the member clubs of the WSL and, and Championship. There are clubs who have uh, men's team in the Premier League who are nowhere near the WSL and Championship. Uh, let's take, uh, goodness, there are quite a few examples, but Leeds, Newcastle, Brent Brentford. Uh, New, in fact, Newcastle, Burnley, and Nottingham Forest are all quite close to pushing for promotion into the Championship. But if you, if you, there are still several clubs who are much lower down the pyramid. And I don't think everybody in the women's game really wanted all those clubs to have a say on the WSL if they're in the fourth or fifth tier of the English Women's Pyramid. So that was perhaps one reason why it was a stumbling block. Um, but I don't think that's completely dead. We could still see some kind of collaboration in the future. And it's really worth emphasising that, that, that the, the brand name for Women's Premier League technically is now still available you know going back uh, a few years the third tier was rebranded to women's national league away from women's premier league and i know a lot of people in the game run the interpretation that the freeing up of that league brand name women women's premier league w- you know kept it as an option as open for the future so i wouldn't rule it out in the future but as of right now i, I don't think that's an immediate likelihood uh, we're expecting the, the, this new company to to seek uh, private investment, sponsorship, lo- lots and lots of sponsorship and commercial deals. And I think they feel that they have got a really good chance of standing on their own two feet and making the Double selling Championship uh, commercially sustainable. They, they have a business plan which apparently will set out to try and make it self the first, uh, I think it was £1 billion league over the next sort of decade. That's the sort of rough plan. Um, that they have. They think they can achieve that based on their projections and I guess we're going to have to wait and see.
3: Tom, as a possible solution to maybe some of the issues that Owen mentioned earlier in terms of lower leagues not being entirely happy with this, could we see a situation where the WSL is going to expand in terms of the number of teams that are there and then that frees up more space in the Championship for the likes of, you know, some of those teams the Newcastles of the world who are probably just at the start of their journey in terms of developing a team? Is that a situation that could be possible?
1: Yeah, I, I'm certain that at some point in the near future, the leagues will expand. Um, the question is exactly how many teams buy and when. I, th- I don't think it can happen this summer. I think that's too soon. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if it happens in in the summer of 2025. Um, and there, that we will see, there, and there are a lot of clubs, um, Newcastle is a good example, but there are a lot of clubs who have the ambition and want to go full-time um, and the, the, the challenge for this new entity is going to be to determine the fairest, a um, best w- you know, way to get these teams up there because if they want them there at all. Because um, we've seen in the past huge controversy when teams have been elevated up the pyramid without earning promotion step by step. The, the, the examples like Manchester City, for example, back in, I think, 2014, they replaced Doncaster Rovers Bells, who were this sort of historic pioneering women's club who were relegated and Man City came out of nowhere with a license to join the WSL uh, in their place. And and at the time it was hugely controversial, but I, I, you know, to counter that argument, people would say, what was the point in having a, a full-time, fully professional, multi-million pound team in the bottom rung of the ladder in Man City. I mean, who would that help? Um, So, there's two sides to it as always Um, and again, there was controversy when Manchester United came up. Uh, West Ham, I think, moved up the pyramid without promotion. There were others as well who who were elevated and I think um, those discussions will happen over the coming months and years because uh, there's only one promotion place from the third tier north and one promotion place from the third tier south. So, this season, for example, in the 13 North, you've got Burnley, Nottingham Forest and Newcastle all vying for promotion, uh, all capable of winning that league and only one of them can. And I, th- I think that um, those are the kinds of clubs with the Premier League backing, of course, for the men's teams that are in the Premier League who, who will be hoping to-, to go up the leagues. But I think there'll be a lot of people who will say you need to win promotion and go up fairly through the, through the pyramid process. And uh, I suspect the latter, that viewpoint of people who feel they should go up through the leagues, that will probably be the stronger uh, viewpoint at the moment. I think there's a lot of people in the game who really feel that teams need to work their way up um, in, in the traditional way.
0: Tom, great to have you with us this morning. Thanks a for joining us. Cheers.
1: My pleasure. Nice to see you.
0: That's uh, Tom Gary there, the WSL reporter for the Daily Telegraph Um This is important in that it's going to create a body who has responsibility ultimately for just the creation of the league and the promotion of the league. And so I hadn't heard that um, 60 million deal for the uh, American soccer Mm. league that means that there's going to be massive money available there
3: Yeah it's also going to be really interesting how this works out for Irish players because obviously we've quite a few in the WSL at the moment but like a heap more in the championship and if this means the standards are going to be raised even more what's the knock-on effect going to be? I mean, we've seen it with the men's side in terms of the increased professionalisation of the Premier League and the increased standards of the Premier League. So I'm interested to see how will this be a situation where we'll start seeing players go to those lower tiers rather than, because I actually don't think there's many, if any, Irish players at the moment in those lower tiers. It's mostly Championship and WSL because if you're playing in those lower tiers, you probably might as well be playing over here in the league. So that's going to be really interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, we are repeating the exact same mistakes that men's football made in the 50s and 60s by exporting all of our best young players and not building the league here.
3: Yeah, well, that's the kind of push and pull that I think the league here has had over the last while. Like I've said it a couple of times on Koygig and I think a couple of times here as well that I would have liked to have seen a bit more planning in place post-World Cup as to how the FAI were going to jump on that and like promote the league here. Um, I don't know if I've seen it all that much yet. I think the P-Mount story this year is a great one because it shows the success when you do have a team that's, you know, individually run from the League of Ireland men's side of things um, and that it can exist in its own bubble. But also, as Karen Duggan has said many times, like there's an awful lot of work that goes in behind the scenes to make that possible. And not everyone can afford to put in that work and also they have that legacy behind them that maybe other teams don't, so...
0: It's interesting, though, that uh, all the biggest leagues in the world are independent of the FAs. Mm. And in Ireland, still, the FAI is centrally involved with the League of Ireland for historic reasons. Um, the clubs all went bust and uh, the men's side. And uh, obviously, uh, the Women's League is just getting up and running properly um, to a point where it might at some point seek to be independent and... I actually don't know what the what the answer to that is because Irish football politics is so toxic at all levels. That mm. um
2: yeah, I can also other countries have problems by being independent of the FAs as well. It's not like all the leagues have been certainly the the pyramids uh, that, that that exist in other countries is is definitely not immune to it. What what this kind of feels like to me, and this is like obviously great on one level, is just like uh, a growth of a league on steroids. Like this story has been an absolute. Huge success for the WSL over the, the last couple of seasons and will continue to, to, to be so. You, you just do wonder about how much it's going to drip feed down to lower clubs or how much of something that resembles a pyramid will actually exist in English football for women's teams. Like There was obviously a, a huge ferrari over COVID around the creation of a Super League in men's football. At least in this occasion, they've actually named it Super League from the very start and everybody knows what the intentions
3: are. <laughs> uh, that's very good. I'm glad about that. <laughs> Off the
2: ball, breakfast. Ireland's Sports Breakfast Show.